I'm Aaron Armstrong. I'm Pete Moran. And we love to watch. This week, we don't love to watch. Hey listeners, this week Aaron and I did our damnedest to avoid talking about the movie. So if you want to skip straight to Mother's Day discussion, please jump to 46 minutes. Thanks. Hey Peter. <laughs> hey Aaron. <laughs> Hi Peter. Uh, yeah, that is kind of how I'm... Uh, <laughs> really good sad bear voice. Hi Peter. It's, it's kind of like my Eeyore. <laughs> Thanks for noticing. <laughs> You're like Eeyore, but off his meds. Yeah, uh... I don't even think Eeyore would have liked this movie. That's not a good metaphor because he doesn't like anything. That's kind of it's kind of his shtick. So yeah, it's, it's kind of his thing. Yeah, Eeyore's basically the mascot of the internet. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> when you when you um, go into the the core of the internet, he's just there pulling levers like thanks <laughs> thanks for commenting. Um, yeah. So anyways, Peter, uh, I fucked up. Um, yeah, fuck up. I fucked up a little bit. So we'll we'll just start. We'll just start with this. So I mentioned this a little bit at the end of last week's episode, but we're doing 1980s uh, Mother's Day for a movie today. Here in the 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 thick of August, Killbillies Month. Now the reason we picked it is that well, one thing that Peter and I like to do when we record this podcast is not just not just revisit old favorites that maybe we haven't seen in a while or introduce the other person to something, but also watch something that's new for the both of us at the same time. When we were doing Redneck Horror, uh, we were having trouble thinking of a fifth title. I started Googling stuff to see what was considered a good Redneck Horror movie that I hadn't seen and Peter hadn't seen. And I found 1980's Mother's Day, which actually had some some decent reviews. It was on some lists. Uh, Texted Peter, said, hey, have you seen 1980's Mother's Day? It's on Amazon Prime. Let's watch it. And yeah, this was going to be our new movie for this month that neither of us had seen. Now we've both watched it and we had the exact same reaction to it. Which, I don't know, Peter, how would you describe that reaction? <laughs> An adverse reaction? Yeah. Um, sort of like uh, an allergic reaction, uh, where I was just watching it uncomfortably hunting for any solace the whole time. Yeah. I was uh, like, oh, it's about to turn a corner. It never did. I hated almost everything about this movie. I don't even know why I said almost. Like, I can't think of a positive thing I like about this movie. Yeah. And not just in a boring way, but in a, like, actively disliked hated 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 movie to to steal to steal a book title from roger ebert like this was basically an unredeemable piece of garbage in my opinion so so here's the deal we don't usually hate movies and we don't usually resent movies i i think that there's usually something to be some good to be found in any movie because i i don't i don't buy this like cynical approach to standing and lording over exploitation movies and B-movies. Like, if you're going to watch the fucking thing, Mm -hmm. engage with it on its own terms. And I feel like I continually engaged with this movie on its terms. And I have liked movies with similar budgets from the same exact era. I gave the movie as many fucking chances as it could have. Apparently, there's a limit to how positive 
we can be and how idealistic we can be about trash cinema. Yeah, we're still going to talk about the movie. We have some things we're going to talk about. We're not going to go the route of trying to make this a bad movie podcast in the sense that we're going to be um, making fun of how bad this movie is because it's it's not even that kind of bad. Like even if I'm not saying that it's like, look, we're not going to sink to this level. I'm just saying we're not going to do it because you if you, you can't do it in this movie. This is not. Oh, look how goofy that rape scene was. Like, this is, like, a lot of gross shit. It would feel dirty to laugh about in a lot of respects or just kind of mock its ineptitude. Like, it's not that. So we're going to try to talk about, like, we talk about uh, other movies. But there's definitely going to be this. and, And we'll get into this a little bit more, like why we still felt like we wanted to do the episode and hopefully there'll be some positives or comparisons to like, hey, this movie didn't work as a good example of trash exploitative cinema, but here's why it didn't work. And and what we might compare it to some other movies that did similar things but didn't do it as poorly or didn't execute as poorly as this movie. So we're going to get into that. Now, for our segment today... Because I'm not necessarily looking forward to getting into a lot of things about this movie. Uh, I, what, what Peter, Peter, I think what we're going to do here is, you know, we, we, we've had a podcast now. This is our 18th episode. We don't get a chance to talk just, just me and you all that often. So I'm going to bring up some topics unrelated to this movie uh, that we can we can just kind of rap about, chat about. Uh, it's it's stuff that I don't like normally talking about, but it's stuff that I would choose to talk about over discussing uh, the merits of this movie. Uh, so, you know, we'll talk about this stuff and then, you know, hopefully it eats up a, a good chunk of time and then we'll whatever's left. We'll, we'll talk about this this garbage pile. Um, so. So, Peter, here's here's some topics, you know, me and you can just just rap about for a little bit stuff that normally um, normally I, I wouldn't want to talk about. But here we go. Uh, so, Peter, first topic for discussion, Edward Snowden, traitor or hero. <laughs> is is this a bin- purely binary choice? No, no. I mean, we're supposed to have a discussion like this. Oh, is a, OK, this is like pretend like this is a, like a, a, you're having like a problem in your relationship and it's like maybe give some topics to discuss so that you two can get to know each other more or something <laughs> so i think like i th- i think that the idea like martin luther king's idea of uh peaceful resistance he could have used that as like a means of like i'm gonna break the law for a just cause which by the way a lot of shit that he got out in the public was shit that i think that we should have known but uh he just wasn't responsible with the information at all. And the people that he got the information to weren't responsible with the information at all. Yeah. Like it's, it's hard to not blame him for the way that that information is being used. And I really think that knowing that we live in such a, a, you know, powerful security state that we do now, I kind of wish that there was a way for Obama to have stopped me from watching mother's day. Yeah, uh, some someone on his staff or someone that's monitoring our our uh, text and Facebook conversation should have said, "Like, guys, at least read Ebert's review before you announce to everyone you're going to do this episode. <laughs> like, get some. Co- Don't just look Redneck Horror 1980 on Amazon Prime. We'll do it. That here's 
Yeah, here's the thing, though, is, like, the guys, like, uh, we wanted a exploitation movie that we think truly could have inspired the work of, like, a Rob Zombie or an Eli Roth, a sort of... This did inspire Eli Roth. We'll be talking about that. A a modern trash cinema director. Something that could have come from an era, yeah, that could have inspired them and also counted as, like, a redneck horror movie. Rob Zombie for years, and then he has a new one coming out called, like, 31 or something. A new, like, redneck horror movie, and it looks pretty terrific from what I've seen. So I heard the first thing that you said, which is basically, uh, you think Edward Snowden is a traitor and deserves to be put to death. Got it. Um, <laughs> totally you know, my middle of the road. I'm just, I'm uh, just, I'm just trying to sum it up. Um, my middle of the road, please no one response to your question. <laughs> yeah. um, you said the information was used again, inaccurately, but I'm kind of happy it's out there. Yeah, no, that's a perfect response because this is, these are exactly topics that like, who wants to talk about this? <laughs> because there's a lot of nuance or, you know, tough talk about. But I, I think you are missing uh, a little bit of the point of the segment which is we're going to talk about this stuff so that we don't talk about mother's day for as long as possible yeah but i'm still so mad that we watched the movie. <laughs> yeah, well we'll 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 have we'll have time to talk about it. hopefully not that much time yeah. for, because of these segments so uh, well, the time I'm going through it, I was going through those, like, zen, you know, like those zen-like exercises that people in anger management have to go through? Uh, I was no. It, I, was, I was like, serenity now. <laughs> yeah. like, all the time I was watching it, I was basically telling myself, I was like, You're, don't hate art. <laughs> react to it. You never hate a movie. Just react to it. I, I tried. When it was I, over, I was just like. Oh, fuck you. Yeah, no, I try really hard to not do that thing where you're like, hit the display button on your Blu-ray player to be like, how long is left in this? Because oh, I, did it, uh, I did that so many times in this movie. Like, it has to be done. Nope. 80 minutes left. <laughs> it's so bad. But anyways. So got 10 minutes into that. <laughs> well, that first 10 minutes is pretty rough. Anyway, so let's let's try to do better the second topic here. Let's try not bring this back. To, to Mother's Day. Let's take a little break from Mother's Day. I will give it a college try. Okay. These are not fun topics to discuss. I'm not just saying let's have a ball. I'm saying I would rather discuss these topics than Mother's Day. Uh, oh, I gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> uh, just, just recapping for the audience eight to nine times. Um, so what do you think about composting? I've always wanted one of those composting piles because it seems kind of cool to be able to make your own soil. And then at the end of it, you just have your, your own soil. Just how it works. You see, honestly... I'm not entirely clear what composting is, which is, I'm 33 years old. I'm not sure, is burning involved? No, it's a... It's just a junkyard? It's like a barrel or a big plastic container that you put food that can break down, like banana peels and like old meat, I guess. I've never had one, so I don't actually know what can go in there. So they're putting it in a barrel, which is already a little confusing, because why is it called a compost pile? Um, Because I think you mix it in with soil, and then it makes the soil super enriched, and then you can use the soil for gardening. Okay. Once the stuff breaks down, which can take a really long time, but one thing you're supposed to – I think you might also put some sort of starter pack in there to, like – of bacteria to, like, break down banana peels and shit. Wow, yeah. No, that is a that is a completely boring topic. Still better than discussing Mother's Day. Let's, <laughs> let's... Also, it's probably, I probably just like the Edward Snowden thing, I probably have grossly inaccurate information that I'm now passing on to you. Do you think the compost pile should be put to death for crimes against America? <laughs> like, sure. as, as a concept? No, sure. Not a specific one. All right, let's try another one of these. Uh, what's the hardest breakup you've ever been through? <laughs> Uh, I never had one. You know, you've never been a break. You're, you're still dating all the women. No, they've, they've just all been easy. Oh, okay. No, I think I had I had one uh, freshman year of college that was pretty bad because I was one of the turkey season people. Got broken up with right before Thanksgiving. Oh, I didn't know that was a thing. 
Do you want to know more or less? Um, it's a good. We don't need to get into it. We can just say what our what our hardest one was. Like we don't oh, need yeah. to, we don't need to describe it. Um, so so like November twentieth, two thousand and ten. Mine was April eighteenth, and I actually know the date for a reason. It was April eighteenth, two thousand nine, because it was her birthday. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. She gave herself a little gift that day. <laughs> she did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Treat yourself. Yeah. Whatever your name is. I'm going to call her April. Uh, not her name, but that's probably good. Yeah. Um, Pieces of April. No. Yeah. No, that the was, was uh, yeah, that was, that was a tough breakup. And, but I, and I think my parting words to her were, I, I got you a, I got you a DQ ice cream cake. It's in the <laughs> freezer if you want to eat it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, at least uh, that uh, young woman, I don't know what her name was, Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. At least she's just like off. You know, having a horrible life and just suffering miserably, probably, right? Never ever happened to that Jennifer Lawrence girl, huh? Yeah, it wasn't Jennifer oh, Lawrence. It wasn't Jennifer Lawrence? No, no. Oh. She, she, she wouldn't have needed me to buy her a cake. <laughs> I mean, I guess the person who this is didn't need me to buy her a cake either. Um, it's not about need. Yeah. It's just I thought she'd want a cake. A birthday isn't like, hey, I'm starving on the street. Can you buy me a loaf of bread? A birthday is like, I could have gotten this for myself, but thank you for getting it for me anyways. I, she liked ice cream cakes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, she's a human being, I'm assuming, without I, any sort I, of, like, lactose intolerance. Yeah, no, I did ask her a couple years later, because we got over it, and we were fine. It's, like, kind of like half friends, half acquaintances, but um, I asked her if she ate the cake, and she did not eat the cake. Wow. Yeah. But it did I, ruin her birthday. That, that's always good. <laughs> I was talking about last night how, uh, I will tell the 10-second version of the story, I was once broken up with in a car. Hey, tell the 100 second. Like, this this whole point is delaying the inevitable. <laughs> and then she... <laughs> and then uh, she started crying, and I was like, I mean, I'm, I'm still processing this, so like, I'm kind of good. And then I had to, like, help console her for breaking up what she did to me. And I was like, this is not about you. <laughs> this was about you, and then it's now about me. <laughs> <laughs> that's And you know what? That's not even the – for mine, that's not even – the first time that my parting breakup situation was giving them a present. <laughs> um, Are you just really bad at giving presents? Was one of those presents a severed head? Because yeah, I kind of understand no, that. Yeah, no, I buy everyone breakup presents. Just in case we break up, I can make them feel bad. Um, here's the thing that you you wanted. No, that's not what happened at all. But uh, this, this girl, I only dated for a couple months uh, in high school, but had been a really good friend of mine for years. And, like, we tried to make it work and it just didn't work. As You know, everyone tries that with a good friend friend and realizes mm, bad idea but i had bought her a cinderella vhs tape it was out of print at the time and this was like 1998 or something or 90 1999 it was before like it was easy to figure out oh i know it's out of print but i can go on the internet and order it and like i found one in a thrift shop somewhere in town it was it was still like 50 or 60 bucks and it was like her birthday in a couple days so like she broke up with me and then i think i drove her to my house and was like well here i might as well give this to you now because i probably won't want to see you for a couple weeks god that's doubly weird because like it was her favorite movie and like then she started crying like she's like it was the best present anyone ever gotten her yeah that's pretty weird because it's it's weird when you have a breakup with somebody and then you have like an article of clothing that they got you or something that you actually find useful at that point it's like a good gift if you're using it years later right yeah and then like every now and then you're like Oh, yeah, she gave these to me. It's funny because, like, for her, that copy of Cinderella 
It's just like covered in memory <laughs> yeah. ectoplasm. <laughs> yeah. It's just like the moment she sees it on her shelf, she's like, oh yeah, I got this from a dude before <laughs> I ruined his week. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know that feeling uh, exactly. Like a lot of times when I'm brushing my teeth, I think, oh yeah, this was her toothbrush. Yeah. It's it's a very... <laughs> that's, that's not a real thing. <laughs> it's a very weird situation when you know you keep biological material. <laughs> yeah, no. I thought that would maybe get a laugh, but I just got like a stunned silence because I don't know... <laughs> I don't know if you could tell, like, if I was kidding. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm, I, I'm all here. Okay. All right. Uh, uh, all right. Let's go on to another topic. Uh, Prius owners, better than the rest of us? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, my brother is a Prius owner. And is he better than you? No. I mean. Is he better than me? <laughs> he's older than me, and I think he has more money, so maybe he's better than me, depending on the Worthington scale. Well, he could be leasing. Oh, yeah. Do you know if he's leasing? Can you call him? Actually, don't. yeah. Call him, call him right now and ask if he's leasing his Prius. <laughs> it's better than talking about Mother's Day. <laughs> First call in is asking people uh, what assets they currently have. Yeah. Just is that a lease? Okay. What's what's your interest rate? <laughs> what mile? At what mile marker? If it's if it is a lease, do you have to buy it? Uh, so yes, on, on the Worthington scale, assuming he owns that car and his uh, and his home, on the Worthington scale, he is better than me. So yes, okay. Uh, based on the limited data that I have, Prius owners better than all of us. Okay, makes sense to me. All right, how many Pokemon uh, in Pokemon Go have you caught today? <laughs> Zero. Okay. Uh, you, are you playing it? No, I, I've never played. I don't. I still people explain the concept of like, and I'm not trying to be dismissive of Pokemon. It's just it's just something that has completely passed me by uh, from the time like it came out for the original Game Boy. I didn't understand it. There's there's so much quote unquote nerdy stuff that I get obsessed about. Uh, Dark Souls, Bloodborne, um, tons of stuff like that. Uh, Star Trek. Like I'm not limited I'm, room in your heart. Exactly. Like I'm in no way one to judge like someone being obsessed with something that. Uh, I'm not trying to call it stupid, but yeah, it's just it's just not for me. And oh my god, everyone talks about it all the time. God, I gave it a shot. I played it for like a week, and I came to the conclusion that it's like half of a game. It's like yeah, the little mini game where you catch the Pokemon is fun, but like the map system is really goofy. My whole neighborhood is just like devoid of any Pokemon. There's just just Pokestops. It's just like, okay, so what you can do in that game is you can catch the Pokemon, but the only way to battle them is at gyms against like super nerds. And in order to battle at gyms, you have to like go stand near a gym. And, like, battle against the super nerds who have... Like, my buddy Ryan and I were talking about this. How, like, we both had the game on our fucking phone and we were sitting six feet apart from each other and we couldn't battle our Pokemon. Why? It's half of a game. It's, it's like, I appreciate that it's free to play. I will pay $20 for a modern Pokemon with some of these cool, like, geographic features. What, is it, what would you even call it? Geofencing features? Like, <laughs> I'll play a game that has, like, geofencing features in it. Yeah, they said, like, oh, we're going to add trading later. And I'm like, so that I can get other Pokemon so they can sit in a box and not do anything? It'd be like if you played an RPG, like Fallout, and you just, like, walk around collecting guns, but you can't actually shoot anybody with them. And you're like, I got a shotgun! And you're like, what are you going to do with it? And you're like, look at it! <laughs> like eventually I can get a lot of shotguns and then combine them and then it becomes a triple barrel shotgun like I see and then you look at that shotgun yes I do yeah I just know people keep running out of meetings because there's a Pokemon nearby at my new job so um 
<laughs> oh, you should mention that um, you work at an insane asylum. <laughs> yep. I really am enjoying the company. I don't even know what you call it. Like, it's a new millennial company where it's trying to be like a, like a friendly like home. And, I, and it, I love it for that. But that means like people don't seem to mind leaving meetings to go catch Pokemon. <laughs> like, it's yeah. like the average age is probably like, I don't know, like in between 25 and 35. So, <laughs> uh, you know, it's just it's yeah been a weird experience uh especially when i ask people about pokemon and then they talk about it and i'm like i don't know why i asked which is kind of the same situation <laughs> that just happened but again better than talking about mother's day um uh, all right like i don't know why i asked is like 70 percent of the conversations i have yes it's a good point I, whenever okay like if we're in a bar and we're just like talking or like we're at like a company party or something like that and i'm talking to somebody who doesn't work at the company if i ask you what your job is i immediately regret asking that question the moment it comes out of my mouth i don't care and you don't care to answer this weird bartering system where like small talk is so uncomfortable for me i can do it but it's just like uh-huh yeah 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 we're just gonna sit here and exchange useless information that i'm gonna forget immediately i hope that i remember your name when i walk <laughs> to the other side of the room we just met i really don't care what you do yeah th- there's that weird like chicken standoff where it's it's when they ask what do you do and then they have a job title and like both parties are like can this be done and then someone's like all right i'm gonna play a little bit of ask what your job is chicken and goes so like what does that mean anytime unless you have like a job that's like easily picked in like the game of life like doctor lawyer um veterinarian trying to explain what you do in just the the nebulous realm of business is like just i have so i don't know i talk to this person and then i send this report and then this happens like I, I work in business. Can yeah. this be over? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm a big business monkey. All right, that's my title. Yeah, when I was sitting and like trying to figure out my resume, it's it's difficult because it's trying to even process two people in your industry like what I do on a daily basis into like quick sound bites is difficult. Yeah, it's interesting because you you like try to make your job sound interesting to somebody that you just met and you don't know anything about, and you're like. Wait, am I now trying to, like, impress you that what I do during the day matters? Like, all you really care about is can we have a comfortable conversation (laughs) about something that we both like? (laughs) It's something that I've recognized is probably a character flaw, but I don't care anymore. Like, I used to be anxious about it. Now I don't (laughs) care is that I I, I hate small talk and I, like, I will be just having, like, conversations about, I don't know, God or... Fucking no. like the state of the country within like two minutes of talking to somebody, and I'm like, you, you're either on board or I notice that you're uncomfortable, and then I reel it back. Um, and if you're on board, we're probably going to be <laughs> so instead of asking like what your job is, you're like, what's your religion? And then when they're like Catholic, you're, your follow up is, are you practicing? <laughs> that's like that's like how you've taken small talk. Is I'm not going to ask what they do. Uh, but the but the one one of one last thing I'll say about it though is um, it totally makes me understand like working in like kind of this nebulous business world where there's like a lot of tasks that you do and breaking it down sometimes sounds ridiculous. Is I have a newfound respect. I don't know if this is what Mike Judge was going for in Office Space, but there's that scene where uh, the guy like is trying to describe his job to the Bobs. He's like, no, I I take the specs to, uh, you know, I'm a people person. I bring the engineers 
to this, you know, to the people and blah, blah, blah. And the fact that I'm, I can't quote it off the top of my head tells you how long since I've seen that and will probably get me murdered on a, on a movie podcast where that's like a very quotable exchange. But you know, you know which one I'm talking about, right? Mm-hmm. But like, I, I, and they're like, why? And they're basically asking, why can't the vendors go straight yeah. to. Yeah, and why, or why can't the people just give the stuff directly to the engineers or whatever it is, the the customers. I mean, yeah. the customers give it to the engineers. While that was always funny because it's like, look, his job doesn't do anything. Like, I have a new view on that scene, which is anytime you try to describe your job in an office environment and break it down to, like, individual things, this is an exaggeration of that, but it's impossible for it to not start sounding super ridiculous. Yeah, unless you unless you physically like make something, and even then, it can often sound ridiculous. The fact that there are teams and teams of people in my company that code every single aspect of an email is probably like confusing as shit to people. My point was even people that bust Again, their fucking ass. That's fine. This is not supposed to be the most interesting conversations we could have. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah I, re- I read that Mike Judge scene two ways now. I think you've got a point. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to another topic here. Uh, do you think Ryan and Caitlin from The Bachelor are going to stay together forever? I've watched just this season of The Bachelorette. So that being said, I don't know who those two people are. <laughs> I don't either. Definitely. <laughs> Okay, I was see. I knew that you had. I knew you were watching due to some a mild coercion. I knew you were watching some season, and I was. I asked. So I have a coworker who watches, and I said, "What was the last season? And are they still together?" And I got the names that way. <laughs> um, yeah, I have no insight into their relationship. All I know is that The Bachelor and The Bachelorette are a completely healthy way to meet people, and there is no way that you're setting up your relationship for failure. I think it's true of all dating shows. Dating dating naked. Um, I think, honestly, I can't believe it took society that long to to come up with the perfect first date. (laughs) There's, I can't think of anything better than showing up on an island with a film crew naked and then having activities. (laughs) It's funny because, like, if you don't get over the awkwardness immediately, you're just going to be a totally different version of you. Just an insane... Oh, and a lot of them are. Did you know? Did you know I watched Dating Naked? (laughs) I didn't know. How does it go? No, there are there are people that seem to handle it pretty well. And first of all, like they eventually give people drinks, but I feel like that's unfair. Like they should give people drinks immediately. The whole boat over should be drinks, and then you should wake up feeling shame the next day once you realize that your dog was hanging out all day on a desert island. Yep. Um, Well, it's not a desert island; it's a tropical island. Um, Like there's it's it's uh it's borable. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, um, uh, no, yeah, I, I let me let me pull up my globe. Okay, <laughs> your iPhone's malfunctioning. Got to get the globes it next to. Oh no, I'm in uh, 19th century explorer. Oh, okay. Yeah. So is L. Ron Hubbard. Thing you're talking about is. Um, <laughs> I know what a podcast is though. My, I don't think we've ever talked about this. My guilty pleasure, uh, I don't watch much reality TV, and I don't even necessarily normally believe in the concept of guilty pleasures, but the one thing that would apply for my guilty pleasure television show is any sort of convoluted dating show. Like, not The Bachelor, Bachelorette, that's too normal, but, like, like Next, Eliminate, uh, like, uh, Baggage, uh, Back When Blind Date was on, like, Dating Naked, like, I will watch any of that for hours. I realized yesterday... 
we were watching uh, The Bachelorette, that um, that show without alcohol is soul-crushing. Yes, it's easy to talk shit about reality TV. They take the most boring parts of a relationship, which is the super sincere, like, I really feel like you could be the one that'll make me feel whole inside after all I've been through. Like, they take the most boring shitty parts of any relationship and then they put that on camera and then they cut out all the parts where people are being goofy and making mistakes and just being silly like all the stuff that would make anybody on the show charming they cut out so that it's just people being super sincere in each yeah. other's faces for four hours and well i is, guess I, oh, I guess that's why it doesn't appeal to me like in the same way that like because it's not silly at all. No, it's not silly. And those shows are, like, set up as, like, find your true love. Like, fucking Next, if you remember that MTE show, was just like, well, you have four people following you around in a bus. And at any point during a date, you yell Next. And then one of them goes away and you get a new one from the bus. Like, or, <laughs> or like, dating Next show. No, that was ship uh, Shipmates, which oh, was another, no. like, hey, instead of just a normal blind date, let's put two people on a cruise for three days. <laughs> like, any, anyone who's, like, or even blind date, which was just two people on a on a first date, uh, but then they had, like, sarcastic pop-up video comments the whole time, and, and no one knew what to do with the film crew. I just, I find something very humorous. Like, I don't think most people are going on those shows looking for love, and the couple that do are usually, like, I think there is something hilarious about, hey... You know how hard it is to meet uh, someone special in your life? Let's take two people, put them on television, and add strange twists into what their date's going to be like. <laughs> two people just liking each other isn't, has enough hurdles. It doesn't need... Uh... I'm not saying it's it's anything but complete trashy TV, but it's the one that gets me because there is just something uh, funny about like humans trying to interact in a first date in general. Like if you filmed a lot of my first dates, you probably would have a lot of humorous material because it's just no one knows how to act. No one knows what to do. You're trying to sell yourself to someone like it's not even laughing at. There's just it's legitimately funny. Part of the human experience is like trying to in some ways like sell your personality and why you have worth to someone in you know a small uh, period of time and also like especially like telling them that you're not uh you know a creep or you don't you know you're you're it's it's a tough sell and so then like to add all these weird elements to it is like cruel in a way i find funny (laughs) but but like but not 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 really cruel because they know exactly what they're getting into and uh my guess is that they have some sense of uh Okay, well, this will be fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like it better that way where it feels like the the show is recognizing how unnatural it is. And like, yeah. It, it, people are, like, up against the show. Yeah. Whereas The Bachelor, the weird thing, the weirdest thing about The Bachelor and The Bachelorette is everybody pretends like it's the most normal thing in the world. Yeah. Until, like, there's, like, <laughs> one episode where they go home and see their family and their family is, like, they edit out anybody talking shit about the actual structure of the show. It's just people being, like, well, these are the rules of the games that uh, the the producer gods have set down, and I must follow them to a t. They've edited out all that griping, not recognizing the illusion. It draws more attention to itself. When you read some of the behind the scenes stuff, they're also like playing these fuck. Because I really don't like those shows because they're selling like a concept of love that doesn't exist, yes. in my opinion. And like not just to the people on the show, but to the audience. Which you can you can say a lot of shit about Jerry Springer hosting Baggage on the Game Show Network but they're not selling true love or like the concept of like finding your soulmate but they're not just selling it to to the people on the show they're selling it to the audience like like you're exactly right like this is a this is 
you you can find love in 10 days while people are in competition for each other's love and then like you read these stories of like how they get these confessionals is that they like these producers are kind of playing these mind games with people to kind of like almost psychologically torture them for uh to almost like think they love someone or actually get like angry at someone for like quote unquote betraying them that's why when people say reality shows are fake like they're not fake in the sense that those bachelor shows like that they're feeding them lines but they are fake in that you have a bunch of psychotics emotionally and psychologically manipulating people it's like a form of like weird mind control yeah i agree well and there's like a weird conflict early on in the season where these two guys are like having this like argument like one of them is a big asshole and the other one is like sensitive and they're like having this argument about like well do you love her like you don't even love her and then they got the asshole guy who everybody hates is like I don't know if I love her I haven't really met her and to everybody (laughs) in the show in the house it's like (gasps) heresy come upon them that they need to smash out it's inherently dishonest but they're asking everybody to feed into the dishonesty or you're going to ruin your chances and it's like nothing is worse than losing the first two nights on the show so it's just like she just hands it. She's handing out like thirty of those fucking roses. It's like all well, she and has to do is not hate you for you to get through. And that's why that Nathan for you episode that kind of parodies that, where he does like the fake reality show with but with real people, is so brilliant because there's that point where he just meets a girl and says, "Well, do you like me?" And she's like, "Yeah, I like you." And she goes, "Well, do you love me?" Like just met someone and she's like, "Well, I I don't know if I love you." And he's he just kind of does that Nathan Fielder like glares like okay. Well, you know, if you don't, I gotta, I'm going to have some tough decisions to make tonight. So if you don't love me, you know, I can't say that you're going to have a spot here. And she's like, yeah, no, I, I, I love you. Yeah, of course I love you. And then, like, it cuts to a confessional where she's like, yeah, it's crazy, but I love him. <laughs> like, oh, my God, that's awful. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll go on to the next topic. We're only got a couple more left. I actually oh, just eat up some time. Meat you don't eat, and why? I mean, rotten meat because of evolutionary reasons. Okay. I guess I don't eat veal because it's, like, not worth the moral suffering. Uh, if it's, like, served properly and it's fatty enough, uh, goat can be really good. It's just, like, you realize why people eat lamb is because it's really tender and soft and, like, melts in your mouth. And goat is kind of tougher and, like more turkey and you're like uh oh oh i mean obviously they're not the same species but like well i think the lamb thing is purposely confusing because like the reason they have a different name for veal is because like we eat cow and have a name for it like we don't eat sheep really so yeah, i can see why that's like kind of almost like yeah it's it's easy to to relate to do because you don't have to have a separate name for the child version of it yeah exactly moving on uh <laughs> quickly here uh let's let's talk about a time a beloved pet has died Oh, yeah. Awesome. One time I uh one time my sister and I were going home for the weekend to my parents' place and in the car one of us said we were talking about it like, "Oh, when Riley dies, mom's not going to tell us. She's just going to we're just going to show up at home. She's going to be dead." And you know what happened when we showed up that time? Dead? My mom started weeping when we walked in the door. Oh my she god. Put the dog down like a couple days before. Oh, she put it down. Yeah. Oh. That's so like we didn't we didn't know Riley was sixteen or seventeen. Like she was a Bichon and she was little and mm. she was like had kidney problems. She was just like an old as fuck dog. My wife and I had a conversation very recently about um our fourteen year old cockapoo. We're like, um he's not there yet, but it's coming. Like he's obviously can't hear almost at all, and I'm not clear how well he can see anymore. 
um like he's not moaning in pain like like he's not having trouble walking but he used to be the type of dog that like you say treat under your breath just you know six seven months ago would be in your face trying to get that treat and i was like yelling treat at him and then holding the treat to his mouth and he wasn't like getting it until like his his, his nose finally caught it yeah especially because you have puppies now and, and pu- puppies are so resp- i guess you have puppy now but oh no that pu- that puppy is what's driving him to his grave he is like a nervous wreck he hides behind couches now yeah riley had uh sight problems and hearing problems so anytime that you would approach her super gently or you stomped yeah. right up to her and no matter what you did if you touched her she would shudder. I didn't know you were coming. Just, she was just basically like walking prey. There's no way to not sneak up on her at a certain point. No, that's that's exactly what's going on with Ernie right now. Like, I try to like slowly reach out and like touch him if I have to mop or take him somewhere. And he just immediately does like the head t- whips back. And I'm like, oh, where'd you come from? Yeah, it's it's coming, though. So that's going to there was there was a few in my childhood, too. But that one's going to be rough, especially because I have a daughter that is very aware of what Ernie is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like she still occasionally asks her uh, where the ferret went. Oh God! Yeah. Well, they I don't. Farm. I don't. I guess they farm. I'm not even gonna tell her the farm. Like I'm just gonna like it's. She's two and like just turned two, so. Oh, like yeah. the, she's not going to you, you no. can't teach her about death yet. I mean, I couldn't even if I explained it like there's just like with the ferret, we just say, oh, yeah, he's not here anymore because and she doesn't question that. It's not like because now you're not the age to like she just knows that there used to be a ferret in one of the rooms or she'll find a ferret toy and she'll she'll remember it. Just saying that it's not there like she doesn't cry. She's just like, oh, OK, well, it's not there anymore. So yeah. uh, so the next dog will have to do that. All right. Almost done. Uh, some some really really terrible stuff to talk about, but still better than Mother's Day. Why do you think Apple products are the best? I mean, I, d- I don't think they're the best. I started with an iPhone, and then I went Android, and then I jumped back to iPhone. And I think that it's funny that people are like get all snooty about their Android phones because it's like a lot of the features that were on Android were lifted from Apple, or totally original to android and i wasn't using them the fact that you can you can like more easily you can download apps that aren't from the the apple store and i'm like all right i mean i <laughs> i i guess like i barely use the apps that are default on the phone like every six months i might try and find a replacement for something you don't use uh fonto that came fonto. on my well, i don't know i came find friends i'm looking at apps that came on my yeah, I mean, like, I liked my... Uh, everything that I liked about my Android was because it reminded me of my iPhone. And, like, my Android also had awful battery. That is that is a pretty common thing among especially, like, the Nexus series. Like, oh, really? A lot of Androids have really shitty battery life. Not all of them, but a lot of them do. And... Android users get so def- a lot of Android users get so defensive of their phone, and I'm like, guys. Uh, I think I think Apple users get more defensive. No, or are they are they off- offensive? I just think are they, they like- o- offensive? They they will like come in your face and tell you why your their phone is better. I think there are dicks on both sides. In my yeah. life, in my life, I've had I got I've had people that in my life that were douchey about me switching to an Android, and and then like at the time I, I was a marketing student in college. And I was like, yeah, I want to see what different OSs are. And then I, and then when I switched back to iPhone, I had people like, oh, the fancy boy couldn't hack it on the Android or something. Like, I was just like, <laughs> Jesus it's, Christ. 
all the applications that I want these phones to do are roughly identical on the two series. We 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 had different college experiences where that wasn't a thing because no one was like, "Ooh, someone got a new faceplate for their Nokia." <laughs> <laughs> in college, I like had fun fucking around and customizing my phone, and like I jailbroke an iPhone and shit like that. Like I had fun doing stuff like that. But I eventually reached a point where I'm like, "Yeah, they're all the same because they just riff on each other." Apple stopped coming up with really crazy fr- in-your-face innovations. And then Android also stopped coming up with crazy <laughs> in-your-face innovations. And so now it's like, I'm like, oh, it's cool how the Moto X lets you have customizable faceplates on the back of your, on the website. Like, you can order stuff with, like, a customized back. And I think that's cool. Like, everything's like, now it's thinner. And I was like, yes, because before it was just filling up my pocket. I, I had no space for anything else. Yeah, I do. I do think any of the. I think it's the same thing for like Xbox versus PS4. It's like the people that are like super invested into a piece of like a, a name brand technology. Well, I have a PS4 because I want to play Bloodborne, and so I could play all the PS3 games I didn't have because I had an Xbox 360. And the only reason I have an iPhone is just because uh, it can sync to. I've been I've been downloading music through iTunes for 11, 12 years now, and I can stream You're stuck all in the my system. Yeah, I can stream all my music through there. I would never, ever get a uh, Mac PC because I don't like the way they work and because I could, for all the stuff about, oh, they last so long and um, you don't get viruses on them. Well, I can buy uh, four Asus computers for the price of your MacBook, so I can have three break and still be doing fine. <laughs> yeah, I love my MacBooks, and I, I really um, – I had – two in a decade um and i didn't replace the other one because it was like falling apart i replaced it just because i wanted a faster one yeah Uh, it's it's all utilitarian though to me like i can get a new pc every three years and like it's it's each time it's one third the cost of a of a macbook and i've used pcs my entire life i don't and every time i use a mac i just uh, get angry because i don't know where the control panels are and i grew up with pcs stuff. and then i eventually switched to mac so i'm pretty i'm pretty comfortable going between the two so when you um, said you don't think that they're better you were um, lying because I, all your products are apple products um i would go back to an android too i don't really care okay I mean, I've, I've had, I'm sure I'll have someone that's a dick to me, someone from the uh, the Apple universe. You know, uh, yeah, this, it feels like talking about this stuff, we might get, like, our first email. This we, we really should have been doing this to drum up, like, come to our movie podcast to hear us debate Apple yeah. products, and, and uh, we'll, we'll blow up on the internet. And, we're not, and I'm not a tech dude. No. I, like, I have these, I have these like, seven applications I need a computer to do. The only time that I have ever had a problem with my Mac is occasionally there's, like, some random super specific program that I'm like that they're like it's only on PC <laughs> and I'm like well I guess I'm just not doing that <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'll have to move on with my life all right the last one uh what do you think about the Star Wars prequels I think that uh, all of them are bad yeah which one do you think really is the have... best the best yeah probably Phantom Menace uh, agreed 100% yeah, I think it's like the cleanest. I think it's the only one with anything approaching like moments that touch me emotionally. I think, and they, well, and they use sets, which is doesn't look as much like a fucking cartoon, which is held up. I didn't think they looked good in two thousand two and two thousand five, but like now it does look like a like I don't know. 
for everyone that says how good Revenge of the Sith is, it's like, how can you take that lava scene seriously when it's like, and, and I'm not even that big of a special effects person. Like, I overlook special effects all the time. But when they're that omnipresent and, like, in your face and that's all there is all the time and they look that bad, I don't like this. And it's yeah. because of this. It's because if it's a if it's a moment of bad CGI, your brain can, like, sort it. Like, one bad moment of CGI, your brain is just like, okay, so that event happened in the story when it's like every scene is cluttered and filled in the frame nothing has a sort of gravity to it it's immersion breaking at every turn yeah it's it's like it's like playing a ps1 game it's like uh yeah i get it has good gameplay elements and um and a good story and some interesting things it does but know that for me to experience it i have to fight gouging out my eyes every two minutes yeah and compare that okay so compare the scenes in naboo city to the scenes in attack of the clones the scenes where people are just hanging out in a city compare the two because in naboo city it kind of reminds me of game of thrones where they're like this is an alien city so we're gonna go find like a place in the mediterranean that doesn't look like new york city right you know or like we're gonna build a set modeled after you know this this place in india it has some tactile thing that's happening it feels like they're trying to drum up some sort of physical universe that you could just step into whereas in attack of the clones it's just like scene after scene of these like space thomas kincaid portraits (laughs) during the romantic scenes it's just fucking awful and i think phantom menace has two two or three really good scenes as a whole i think yeah the darth the darth maul fight is great again on a fucking set for yeah. the most part. I think the parade at the end of the movie is pretty terrific. Yep. I think that that's, and it has really good music. And while it's true that people say like, hey, you could have made this trilogy and not had the Phantom Menace because it literally adds nothing to the story, which I agree is 100% true. Like, you don't need Phantom Menace for two to three. Like, that's the whole machete order thing that they talk about. But the reason why that works in Phantom Menace's favor is it's like its own complete movie that works on its own terms. And people have arcs. Yeah. So that's, I mean, you're right. That can be removed from the rest of the story because it's not a chapter in an incomplete book. Yeah. And not to say Phantom Menace is like a good movie. It is not. No. But but I do, I I also have like very few problems with Jake Lloyd in the movie. (laughs) Just like something that I think offends people when you say you're not offended by it. My biggest biggest thing that I'm offended uh, by him is that like George Lucas thought this was a good idea. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Oh, definitely. Conceptually, it's all fucked. But, like, I don't think he did a bad, uh, that bad of a job. He's just, like, a precocious child actor. And I think the pod racing scene is really terrific. Yeah. I mean, the greatest legacy of the pod racing scene is probably either uh, a video, one of the video games or that meme that just says, now this is pod racing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's probably the greatest legacy of that scene, maybe the whole movie. Well, and the pod racing scene gave me one of my favorite uh, episodes of You Must Remember This, where Greg Proops uh, describes... Uh, his time being one of the two-headed, um, the the two-headed aliens uh, that are oh, announcing the the. Oh yeah, scene. I was there. I, I was there too. I was there too. Yeah, yeah sorry. There we go. They all similar sort of. Yeah, I was there um, too. You must remember this. Yeah. I had a sandwich. <laughs> yeah, that was a really really great episode because you can you can just kind of get a peek into George Lucas's production. Also, I like the way Greg Proops talks to the point that I think that he toned it down for television for years because now when you hear him on podcasts, he he has gone what it, I don't even know what you'd call his accent or 
the way that he uses inflection, but he he is upped it. It's like California surfer nerd. Yeah, I, I yeah, like, I, I like, don't I don't know. It's like if a California surfer had to go to Harvard. Yeah, he's like uh, he's like the good Dennis Miller who has like a weird way of speaking and constantly throws in references that no one else gets. But yeah. it's also like a charming fun dude and doesn't think like, you know, Democrats are responsible for 9-11. Um, do you have time to talk about what you think about 9-11? <laughs> or do you want to start talking about this fucking movie? Yeah, let's fucking start talking about this oh, goddamn okay. movie. So, uh, Aaron, do you want to talk about Mother's Day? Yeah. My dream is a treasure that I'll always keep. I dreamed about Mama last night. All right, Aaron. Um, I'm going to do the five-second recap, and then you're going to do the 90-second recap. But this week, I want you to do it to 60 seconds. Uh, I'm not even. I'm not even going to like. Go ahead. Do your five-second recap. <laughs> five I, second I, re- I don't know recap. what my version is going to be, but. Girls go in the woods. Uh, one of them gets raped. Girls murder hill- hillbillies in the woods. Uh, yeah, okay. So the 90-second recap is uh, at the beginning of this movie, there's some people at, like, a school board meeting, and then people rape someone and just punch her in the stomach a bunch. And then that cuts to credits, and now there's new girls who were friends in college, and now they're they're going to kind of find themselves, and the hillbillies find them, uh, kidnap them, rape one, while the mother... I don't know. It's like watching. I I have no fucking idea, like what the goddamn. I just know I I was like I hate this. I hate this now. Everything that's happening, I hate. Um, but like they're putting on like weird play scenes. Uh, then the other two girls escape. They decide they're gonna get revenge. They they kind of lazily eventually get them and you know kill them. But it's not like in a fun empowering way. It's in a. I think it's playing for comedy. I, I don't I don't know. Uh, and then they kill him, and then, oh, yeah, they have a wild sister who jumps out, and it's implied that she will kill them, the yeah. people that just uh, went through unknowable uh, terror. And it should also be known that, uh, so that's basically the movie. Uh, it's also shot in the worst garbagey way, and all the actors feel like, not that they are trying to further a career, but that they were drugged and tricked into appearing in a movie so that's the fucking 90 second recap <laughs> so that's perfect so my, my my long and short of this movie is that it is uh, attempting to be some sort of satire and some sort of um comedic take on this material but it's also trying to be uh, a legitimate take on this material and just by happenstance last week we did motel hell which I think tackled similar material. City uh, woman goes into the woods, gets uh, taken by some rednecks, and then has to deal with this crazy family out in the woods, and eventually she comes to a head with the redneck family. It's a similar sort of thing here where like it's both trying to be a horror movie, but it's also trying to be a satire of horror movies. I don't... Like, I'm having such a hard time articulating why, like... Why? Like, what? The I'm not. I'm not even. I'm, do, yeah, I'm not even a hundred. Yeah, I'm not even a hundred percent sure. Like, and that's in my notes. Like, if this is if this is trying to be a satire or a comedy, like, what do they think is funny, or what do they think that they're commenting on? I don't. I don't have an answer for that. Like, it's not like it's not like they f- attempted to do a comedy or a satire and failed because that you could understand. If this is supposed to be a parody or a satire of something, or there this is supposed to be a joke of some sort, I couldn't name what they're. 
I, I want to back up a second, though. So the one thing about this movie, uh, I mentioned why we chose it. Uh, the thing about this movie is that it is considered a trauma movie, which is I, I kind of want to talk about trauma a little bit and the influence that they had on cult cinema and why most of their movies don't work at all for me. This is not technically a trauma movie. It's off-brand trauma. It was. So uh, it's the brother of the uh, Kaufman. It's, it's Lloyd Kaufman's brother. Charlie. Charles Kaufman. Yeah, he, he made it. And Lloyd Kaufman actually would not release this. He was a producer on it, but he refused to have this be associated with, with trauma back when he made it. So he, while he produced it and supported it, this was not part of his trauma brand. Now, it has since, uh, since the original rights holder, whatever happened, like it has since fallen into a trauma movie. But this, I was unable to determine through quote-unquote research Um uh, <laughs> Whether whether uh, that was because of the content of the movie, which is probably not the case, but to be honest, I don't know why else. Like, I can't I can't think of another reason besides either how poorly made this movie is, even for trauma, or how bad the content is that he refused to release this under trauma because trauma did a lot of garbage, and it's his own brother making it, and he was a producer, and he's like, no, let's not put this on trauma. This is trauma approaching the height of its powers. Toxic Avenger wouldn't come for like four more years. Class of Newcomb High wasn't for a little bit either. This is, so basically, yeah, Lloyd Kaufman was making a quality check back then. Maybe Lloyd Kaufman was less cynical back then. Maybe that was before Lloyd Kaufman just decided like, fuck it, I'm gonna make these as cheap as possible. I'm basically gonna use slave labor to complete my movies because that's the one thing about being a trauma a production intern or working for trauma is that they will work you to the bone they will take advantage of you yeah there's like horror stories about people working for trauma obviously there's a lot of people that like really love trauma james gunn is an alumni of of trauma what do you think about trauma's aesthetic because if you haven't seen a trauma film they have a very sp- I, don't, I don't even know how you describe it like shot on video without actors and sets and most things that would make a movie like I'll be honest, like, so I, I saw a couple trauma movies, uh, definitely, definitely Toxic Avenger and a couple when I was younger. And I mentioned on a much earlier podcast, like how, why I avoided like canon type movies and stuff like that is because I think when you start thinking about like low budget, new world canon, all that stuff. And if your first experience of seeing those types of like low budget exploitation movies is a trauma movie. You think that the complete incompetence at actually filmmaking is going to translate? Because the aesthetics of trauma movies, like, I'm not saying they've never worked for me, but they are a huge barrier to any sort of enjoyment. And like I said, I think the that kind of weird aesthetic can be made into a successful film. Like, the first Basket Case movie, while not a trauma movie, has, like, a trauma aesthetic, however, however you feel. And... I think that's a charming, weird, fun exploitation movie. Toxic Avenger um, kind of worked for me, but it was still like I'm overcoming how how painful this is as a uh, as a viewing experience. So one of the reasons that people love trauma is because almost all the movies are intended to be comedies or parodies of some kind. Almost none of them are straight faced, and I think that that's one of the reasons that they have a cult following and a lot of people know their name. Trauma has made some movies that I really like. I really like Class of Newcomb High. I really like Toxic Avenger. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but those feel like a concerted effort to make something that is filled frame to frame with something, if not funny, then clever. You can't say that about Mother's Day. Uh, Mother's Day doesn't feel funny or clever. And I think the most famous legacy of Troma is that they're a production company that you can argue this about canon, but I would disagree, that their posters and their titles are usually better than the movies. That they're sort of, uh, Lloyd Kaufman is sort of a, a marketing genius more than he is a filmmaking genius. Mm-hmm. And he would probably agree with that. Like Surf Nazis Must Die is, yeah. a, is, is a movie that's uh, got a great fucking title. It's got a really cool poster. It's got one of the best trailers, I, I think, the exploitation movies have ever produced. And the movie is unwatchable. It's like just a lot of people <laughs> sitting on beaches doing uh, Nazi salutes. And it's just like a lot of, yeah, it's just a lot of stone dudes hanging on the beach. Like surf Nazis is like not even, ma- that's also off-brand trauma, but it's, you know, kind of been pulled in with the pack. And yeah, it, it was it was a poster and a title to put asses in seats with the goal of being as ridiculous as possible. It was sort of, sort of like uh, Rod Rodriguez's Grindhouse movies where it's like, self-aware i think a lot of times when you laugh at the incompetence of like a canon type movie there is a level of incompetence in that they weren't quite sure how to make a story fit together or to tell a story or the story they were trying to tell wasn't great to begin with or they're trying to cut corners here and there and so we laugh at that level of incompetence and that's part of the charm and the enjoyment of say a canon movie that is not real incompetence though when it comes to filmmaking, they may not be the Spielbergs. And so they have a lot of charm in their ineptitude in certain areas, but they can still, for the most part, put like a vision on screen that the audience can watch. And they usually, especially Canon, try to, they want it to be a big studio. So they put money behind it. And Troma is like the exact opposite of that, where this is like real, for the most part, filmmaking incompetence, where people don't even know how to like shoot a camera, frame a scene, and they throw no money at it so that it looks like someone's home movies from the 80s, which like, I think it's it, it can make it very hard to look past the quality of film just because like in the same way you wouldn't want to watch uh, home movies of even if it's home movies where they're acting out a play that they wrote with costumes, like it can be sometimes hard to watch uh, these types of movies. So even moving past the content of Mother's Day, trauma and this type of aesthetic is a big hurdle for a lot of people to overcome. And again, I think it does. I think they're, um, while I know a lot of people are fans of theirs, I think they are so connected with the idea of low-budget exploitation movies that, in my case, I saw this and was like, uh, I saw Toxic Avenger, I forget the other one I saw, and I'm like, this is not for me because it's too challenging to watch. Um, And I think that there's something to be said for, you know, Guerrilla style punk rock filmmaking where they're like this is what we've got on a budget and it, it might be sloppy but we don't have time to work on concerted framing and concerted uh, you know continuity but this movie has a, a air of apathy to it that it's not just that it's doesn't work it's that they don't care like I don't yeah. feel like that's one of the things that drives me away from trauma movies is I don't feel like people are trying to make the best movie that they can no it doesn't no feel, it, it feels cynical to me and that as a viewer who tries to be idealistic about these movies especially exploitation movies it really kills me when the movie isn't helping me if a movie is very cynical it's very hard for me not to be 
Yeah, I think it's hard to be this infectious. I agree with you. Like they they are not trying to again say what you want about most movies and even stuff that a lot of us uh, film goers affectionately love, like Red Zone Cuba or Manos: The Hands of Fate. Like those are people trying their damnedest to make a movie and failing miserably. But they are trying. I agree with you that the trauma never feels like it's trying. And in some ways, it feels like they are looking down at their audience. You know, I have a note about this movie where it's like, who is this movie for? Is this a trick? Is this like, is this really like we're going to put something on the screen for 90 minutes? We're going to give you nudity and gore. And all we're trying to do is make money. The title of Mother's Day is trying to capitalize on the Halloween and April Fool's Day and, you know, Silent Night, Deadly Night. And, like, let's take ho- – there definitely was a trend at this time to start by Halloween where let's take uh, holidays and make horror movie out of it. And no one had made Mother's Day yet. This movie feels like let's try to trick people out of their money. Yeah. And it, and and all I can do is judge what's in front of me. It's, it's a weird movie because it starts off like it, it has a sense of direction. It's trying to make a point, And then you realize that it's all just noise. Like it starts during this thing called Ego, Ernie's growth opportunity. I think the movie is trying to like make fun of either like hippies or like the baby boomer generation or something like it's, it's trying to make fun of the selfish next generation that you think is like getting in your way it starts with this big like self-help seminar and it's trying to be funny then there's a scene that's kind of like a shitty version of that one scene and i saw the devil where the serial killer gets picked up by serial killers <laughs> these people are clearly trying to rob this little old lady and then she ambushes them because she's the the titular mother and her her goons come out of the woodwork to to kill this girlfriend and boyfriend to show you that you know this family's no good right off the bat and then it goes back to a la party with like cocaine and a pool and like people are arguing I, about I told I told I totally forgot about the cocaine party. Yeah. That is so removed from everything else in this movie. It's so useless because like it's it's sort of like the asshole boyfriend who's like unemployed drinking drug abuser is like involved in the theater and is just like a free spirit. I you know I wish I could work 9 to 5 like you but I just can't like this asshole and then his in both those party scene and with this asshole boyfriend scene they're trying to endear yourself to a couple of the women that are mm-hmm. going out on this trip and it doesn't work at all it just makes you think that this woman is kind of pathetic for just putting up with this dude's bullshit want to feel pity for a woman that's about to be raped like i don't well and, and it's also to, it's also kick off our relationship no and and we're introduced to her by her boyfriend pretending to be attacker who's going to sexually abuse her or which is hey you know what's not a fucking funny joke to do that right after you had one of the most disturbing rape scenes I've really seen on film and not in a way that like this is meant to be disturbing and affecting to the audience but I think they were playing the whole thing for fucking comedy. I want to get back talking about that because like I can't think of a way to start off a movie with the audience completely against not the characters but the movie so that girlfriend that's caught or that they that the table turns on she's put on the, t- the roof of the car and then the two brothers like gleefully jump up to rape her rip her clothes off and then mercilessly punch her in the stomach during it and it's kind of played for laughs because they're like fighting about who gets to do it and the then that's is way more interested in these stupid fucking hicks than it is in yeah. any women and their feelings. We criticized Death Wish 3's rape scene because it was exploitive and it didn't add to the movie and it felt like it was just an excuse to have to have nudity in it. But 
it wasn't as casually brutal as this one. And even though I think our point in that movie was that it failed because they were trying to use it as motivation to kill these creeps. We Our point in that episode was they didn't need that motivation and it felt casually cruel and it felt like just an excuse to have nudity. But I think even in that example that we were like, this is one of the worst parts of this movie, you could at least say, at the very least, that the filmmakers were trying to put it in there for some reason. This is just like, who who the fuck starts their movie with a brutal rape scene played for laughs am i am i getting too much on a so like i'm just so no, angry no, no, no. talking the, about the it biggest, the biggest thing about this movie is the rape stuff yeah i don't want to sound like i'm just being overly sensitive in pc which is like something that i'm fine with being but i want to kind of reiterate my point that rape scenes in movies are fine as long as they're grounded in something and they actually matter and they have sympathy for the women involved or the victims involved i should say it's good to expose these horrible things out to the sunlight and deal with them and take care of them seriously and like you'll be better off for it i think recognizing the horrible impact of rape and that rape is not fun and that it leaves its victims having having to use the term survivors to yes it's an unpleasant experience like i think irreversible and i spit on your grave are both great movies that have central rape scenes in it but what they accomplish that mother's day fails at is that those movies have nothing but sympathy for the women they have more to say than just rape is bad and this movie doesn't even quite yeah nail rape is bad (laughs) no just like hey there's some salacious content on and you might get to see some tits like that's horrible it's fucking horrible the movie because then they do they do a fake rape three minutes later yeah, the movie does not think rape is a serious thing to take no. seriously. Like You can argue about whether or not Irreversible or I Spit in, I Spit in Your Grave handle the topic perfectly, but there's no doubt in the mind of the viewer that like this director thinks rape is the worst thing in the fucking world, and let's deal with it. Let's have a conversation about it. Whether or not you like the conversation, like you could argue Irreversible is homophobic, and you could argue I Spit in Your Grave is fascist in a way. Like you could make arguments for it. Not not necessarily ones I would agree with. You can make Straw arguments. Dogs too is a good example. Yes, yes, yes. Those are all great examples of having sympathy for the victims, but may but maybe the movie has the conversation poorly. Like you could say that. I wouldn't agree. But Mother's Day just not only doesn't handle the topic seriously, it doesn't have any interest in having the conversation yeah i don't i don't know am i i'm just kind of ranting here but no no i I mean i think you're right i mean i'm legitimately annoyed (laughs) yeah i i am too and um the the reason why i compared it to death wish 3 is that was a that was a rape scene in that movie that fails on every level to meet the the requirements that you just laid out which i think are correct um and i think we both rightfully condemned that scene in that movie uh when we did that episode and i'm saying that that is fucking light years ahead of this Oh, yeah. At least that the you knew in your mind the director thinks that rape is disgusting and it's yeah. at least serving like a plot purpose. So, yeah, that's that's the like start of the movie is plot purpose, but yeah, it serves a plot. purpose. <laughs> yeah. Or it attempts to. Yeah. yeah. I can't think of a movie that I mean, there's probably some terrible comedy that thinks rape is kind of funny. I'm, I'm sure there is or at least like the implication of rape. But I, I've just never even seen or I could never imagine a movie existed, especially one that like Roger Ebert reviewed that existed that that not only thought rape was hilarious but showed a graphic physically damaging one like not just physically in the sexual part but like again brutally punching repeatedly the woman in the stomach while she's being raped by two people and the movie thinks that's 
funny. I know we're saying it over and over. I am still completely dumbfounded that any movie like this exists outside of like the deepest, darkest recesses of the internet. So yeah, who was this movie for? Yeah, that, it's not I, fun. I, it's not fun like as a rape revenge movie either. There's the the rape revenge sequence is so ineptly handled that it doesn't even give you that sort of. Um, the fun exploitation thrill. We should say that this rape is never revenge. There's another rape. Oh, yeah, it's true. That's true. I mean, I guess it's revenge in the sense that all the perpetrators are murdered later. <laughs> no, I know. But, like, if this was a rape revenge filler, you don't throw in, like, an extra rape. Yeah, you don't need a bonus. One yeah. is enough. And yeah. for this movie, one is too much. There's So the girls get revenge on the rednecks. They kill the, the two rednecks in, like, a scene in the room. There's, there's a hatchet in one of their testicles and you know he kind of falls back and then they fight him and they kill him and then there's another the bigger brother comes out of a window and like they have to smash tv through his head and pour drano down his throat and then she takes an electric knife to him and like none of this is viscerally thrilling in a way that exploitation movies can be shouldn't all this stuff be really fun and satisfying and id scratching yeah it's an ugly part of yourself it's like a, a release of your basis like desires because yes, you know exactly. what I've never seen I, I spit on your grave but I'll, I'll refer to straw dog like there is I'm I go back and forth on straw dogs on what I think of it but but I will say that like making a movie that is about the id scratching like um, lizard brain pleasing sensation of of getting revenge on someone you harmed you is at least a worthwhile piece of art from a discussion like a movie's politics you don't have to agree with to go that was a well done movie that has opened up a, a conversation or done something so so regardless of whether you like straw dogs or like I spit on your grave or not, like it is trying to do something. And whether you think what it's trying to do is worthwhile or whether you think it's it's a fair success of that, those are those are different discussion points than saying what the fuck is this trying to do besides laugh at rape. I think that this movie reminds me of an internet troll. It's just trying to get off on pure shock value. And it doesn't have any like I was saying, it doesn't have like any sort of visceral human connection with you like a lot of the best exploitation movies do like even jim kata there's a great horror scene in it where like there's this village and he's just kicking so much ass and you're just like oh my god i hope he doesn't get eaten by these crazy people there's no scene in this movie where i really identified with and felt satisfied with any character and their actions well, and even it just like, feels like it's, shock, it's just shock value. It's just images flashing in front of you. It's like this pastiche of grossness. Like it's a, it's all the colors are disgusting in the movie too. It's just like ugly for the sake of being ugly, and it's shocking for the sake of being shocking, which isn't interesting in any way. And we never would have done this movie if we. I guess we would have known. I guess you never know that you're gonna hate a movie. I almost feel like we should back up. Like it is super rare that I hate a movie. Like me too. I love movies. I'm I'm that asshole that if you look at my letterbox ratings. It's way weighted towards four and five because my entire movie philosophy is trying to find the good. It doesn't mean there's stuff that doesn't work. I've said to you, Peter, before, and I stand by it, that I think, while I think um, Manos, the Hands of Fate is a horribly incompetent movie, I think it's legitimately unnerving and creepy. And a lot of that is, to quote Mystery Science Series 3000, based on the last known uh, photograph type shooting of it and like the weird haunting music that plays that's like both funny but also like kind of gets 
under your skin and stays with you. That's a bad movie that I think, yeah, I love the Mystery Science Theater 3000 episode. But I actually, like, if we ever did that on the show as just a movie, I think there's positive stuff to talk about. And that doesn't mean that I think it's a good movie, but it, I always want to talk about what is a film trying – like, that's the Roger Ebert, that's the Dissolve, that's, like, Scott Tobias, that's all those people that we admire as critics – are the type of people that are like, what is this movie setting out to do and does it succeed and fail? And just being able to have that discussion is at, at the very least a worthwhile part of art. I love watching movies and I want to watch everything and horror movies. You don't, you're going to get two steps ahead with me. It's like a James Bond film, like, or a movie with dinosaurs. Like <laughs> you don't even have to create a particularly good one. And I'm going to be able to find some charms in it. It is not my normal thing to like viscerally hate a movie this much, but hell, we fucking watched it and it's worth talking about in how this movie fails. Yeah. So even in the Dark City episode, which is like an episode where you and I disagreed pretty heavily on, even the Dark City episode, there's probably, you could probably pull 30 solid minutes of me talking sugar about that movie. Things that I really liked in the movie, scenes that I thought really worked. It's just like the overall movie didn't work for me. This movie, I have, I have like, it sucks because I like to break down scenes with you, but like, I got almost nothing for you, man. I think that there's... I do have some, I mean, I do have some questions, but, um, because there's stuff that I didn't understand that I would normally, and we can, we can still parse them out. I just, I am worried that the answer to most of that is who the fuck knows because I don't think the filmmakers, when you make a movie, most of it is on screen and you you can maybe speculate intention, but there's like, I, like this again, it's just, it feels like watching a home movie and being like, why do they do this in this scene? Well, they didn't do that. Someone just, you know, uh, someone was riding a horse. There's no meaning behind it. It was just, they were at a horse farm and they yeah. rode the horse because it's exactly. a fucking home movie. <laughs> you know? And that's another point that I want to make. A movie is what it is, what it is. It's this unique cultural object that's just sitting there for you to analyze. And you're going to have a really boring experience with art, I think, if you are just constantly like, that was unconventional, so it's bad. You should always give unconventional choices a little bit of breathing room before you start criticizing because like when you watch a Quentin Tarantino movie part of the reason that people love him are the crazy risks that he takes with his characters and his and the way he structures movies and the weird techniques that he throws in like there's there's that that uh catching you up scene in the middle of Hateful Eight they're just like well this is what happened in those 20 minutes while you were gone and if you didn't watch the intermission then you're just like wait I bet I've been here the whole time Uh, Or if you didn't have the cut with the intermission, I should say. That is, like, objectively a weird thing to be in a movie, but it's such a unique experience that you go along with it. You're like, oh, this is so weird and fun. Like, I wasn't expecting that to happen. Ultimately, a movie should just be full of risks like that. This movie Mm -hmm. doesn't take risks like that. If it wanted anything, it would be to be a more professional version of itself with a slightly bigger budget and just as mean sense of humor. And well, and because of that, it's like I'm like if you give this movie another five hundred thousand dollars, it would be just as shitty. Yeah. It would just be like slightly more conventionally good. Like the shots would be slightly better framed. They like, might have gotten better actors. I feel bad for the women in this movie. You know, and also like I agree that I I could probably say okay, what's the point of this movie? It's to it's to shock you, quote unquote. It's the fucking dumbass kid who's like 
wiping shit on the walls so his mom pays attention to him. Exactly. Maybe that's not the kid's fault, I guess. That's probably the parents' <laughs> fault. Sounds like, it sounds like this is a whole family affair. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> but, like, that's what it is. It's, it's look at me, look what I'm doing. Well, tell you what. If you're going to even make that movie, don't make it so goddamn boring. This is like a bored shocker. Scenes don't don't move everything is terribly shot everything is boring and then like it occasionally like shows someone being brutally raped if you're gonna make a movie that's like uh ain't i a stinker i can't think of an example of that that works but at least make it fucking more interesting than this yeah there's like a sequence of them working out in the middle of the movie that i think is supposed to be funny where the mom is running a military camp oh my god while they're working out and i want to talk about that scene because terminable dude they're supposed to be yeah training like she's running a boot camp and they're like stabbing stuffed animals it's supposed to be this dumb goofy scene of like these two bumbling incompetent rednecks training for like to kill people and stuff like that so here's a scene that you're supposed to be laughing at they're training to go and rape these two women they have kidnapped like it's supposed who to be the fun f- scene yeah who the fuck makes a comedy scene about these bumbling it's like how can you possibly like as a human being go haha look at those look at those two idiot killers it's like we know what they're trying to use these skills for like that is that is hanging over your head and they're trying to make a slapstick look he's, he can't even stab the stuffed animal it's like good yeah he should be bad at this we yeah. want him to be bad at this yeah because um, he's gonna take that knife and put it on that poor girl's neck I like know. what i think i figured out why this movie pisses me I'm off so- I'm so I'm, and, uh, I, I, I'm just I feel like I'm just going to be yelling in the microphone for this whole episode, Peter. I don't like I'm yeah. so angry at this movie. Calm down. Sorry, Aaron. sorry. I'm going to yeah. have another drink. Aaron. <laughs> That's going to help. Serenity now. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I think I figured out a nexus point of why I hate this movie, and it's unfair to compare movies to other filmmakers unless you're trying to make a point about the movie itself. So the movie is unfunny. I mentioned that before. There's a lot of scenes that are just like trying to be funny that just fall flat on their face, and this movie is awkwardly between actually funny and grown-worthy. If it were grown-worthy, I could maybe be like, you can see the the outline of the structure of what a joke would be. So yeah, I said this movie is about shock value. (laughs) And a lot of the jokes in the movie are supposed to be sort of, like, shocking. And the movie itself is supposed to be kind of, like, shock you, make you laugh, shock you, make you laugh. And it just fails at most of those turns. Um, it never makes you laugh. And it reminds me of... It, it's like if John Waters wasn't funny. John Waters wants to see what your limits are. But it's not all just, like, rape scene, rape scene, rape scene. It's like, John Waters wants to see what your limits are. and wants to see what its cast limits are. And, and at the end of the day, he wants you to laugh and be like... Oh my god, you gotta see this movie. What was the intended effect on the audience in Mother's Day? Honestly, that's why I said at the beginning, and it feels like a trick to steal people's money. That's the only thing. It feels like a true exploitation movie, like something to steal your money. Like, it's supposed to trick you, but even if that's the case, like, they could have just, you know, called a movie Mother's Day, made a horror movie, and it's, this is definitely all over the place. I read Ebert's review of this after we had already selected it, and Ebert hated this movie and couldn't even understand someone who would who would find this entertaining. Now, and he gave it zero stars. Now, the thing about Ebert is any kind of like extreme cinema in a lot of cases, he doesn't care for. I like Ebert a lot, but that's the one subgenre where it was like, okay, well, I'm not necessarily going to buy 
buy into this particular review just because when it comes to this type of movie, we our tastes don't align, and that's fine. That is a, uh, what I would call a mature way to handle it. You should not write comments on people's reviews telling them to please change the rating uh, to reflect your own opinions uh, <laughs> on anything that doesn't align, even if it's a critic that you like. But on this one, like he was fucking spot on. I've had problems with the way Ebert handled horror movies in the past. Yep. I think he had really, really unfair expectations for what a horror movie should be. Towards the end of his life, the end of his career, he sort of turned around on that and sort of softened in horror movies. But it's but, fine. Like, he, we, you disagree with him the same way I did on a certain genre. It is kind of fun to read one of his famous, like, I hate, hate, hate this movie and be like, I'm with you. Yeah. Like, it's kind of fun to be a part of the ride for a little bit. I don't like that as a lifestyle, finding things to hate isn't a good lifestyle to lead your life as like I, I don't want to call out any other podcasts or any other uh, <laughs> critic it's it's something that we've tried to stick away from and kind of carve out for ourselves it's like I don't want to live my life as this cynical dude who get, takes joy out of his own anger yeah and one and to even go back to like when we were first starting out one of the names that when we were really trying to as you can tell if you've been following this from the beginning we had some trouble finding out what what we thought was the right name for this podcast and I think we love to watch is the right name we do love to watch any genre any movie we one of the ideas from listening to our first couple episodes that contributor and uh, i'm not even going to say guests we'll just call him a contributor and the person who does our artwork zach uh, groton suggested because we were being very positive about some movies that weren't always considered positive was the floptimist and i think and, and the only reason that we're like let's not do that is because we wanted to reserve the right to there could be a possibility that we won't end up liking a movie. Our idea was to always find something to like in a movie. So this really is an outlier. I'm glad that we ended up doing it. Even the worst movie or a movie you've seen a thousand times can teach you something, not just about the movie, but about other movies and about human nature. Every movie has a lesson to teach because every movie is this like unique cultural object. The problem with this movie is that I felt like when I was watching it, I wasn't learning anything. I feel like it's just this sort of mountain of mean-spirited bullshit that didn't want me to engage with it, and I didn't want to engage with it. So that is the only thing that we agreed on. And it, and it's interesting because I remember watching like the fucking Colin Farrell Total Recall remake, a movie that I should hate, but I don't. I should hate it because it's like a terrible remake of one of my favorite movies and even then i remember commenting that like i love these like futuristic landscapes and i love this this tunnel that like digs through the earth and and you know people commute between different parts of the u.s i love all those moments and they taught me different things about movies like it's kind of cool when uh, movies make a nod to reality or like oh it's kind of cool when you have one of these big you know space action movies that's uh very epic but it shows you this dude's normal boring day-to-day life like you can learn little things i learned nothing while i was watching this no, and it doesn't want you to. Like, it, it's kind of laughing at you as an audience member and not in not for any point. Like, it, it really is the kid that, like, kicks you in the nuts, takes your lunch money, and then laughs as you, like, are crying in agony on the sidewalk. Like, <laughs> that's what this movie is. So, I mean, the only thing that you learn from that is to take a different way to school. Um, <laughs> and the only thing that I learned from this movie is don't watch this movie again, like, or anything involved with, with the people that make it. it. It's the antithesis of what movie making should be trying to do. Even the worst movie should never be a con. And this is a con that not just like, oh, hey, the, the, the cover of this movie promised sword and sorcery epics and it was clearly shot in a parking garage because of budgetary limitations 
This is a movie designed to to stop you cold in your cinephilia. That's not what the filmmakers were intending. Obviously, they weren't like, let's make a movie that stops people from watching horror movies. So I almost find it like personally offensive in that way that like this would have been next to fucking Halloween and April Fool's Day, prom night, and even some, you know, much less successful ones. It's almost like trying to pass itself off as something that it's not even close to the same league with. That's not angry enough at this movie. Yeah, <laughs> I think we should I think we should start wrapping this. Okay, let's let's wrap it up. The only honest question I have cuz I really I really tried early on to engage and and write notes and and like, okay, well we can talk about why why how did this happen? And at some point I gave up because I was like the only thing I'm going to talk about in relation to this movie is how much I hate it because there's nothing to discuss. But I, I will say, how, why the fuck is Tommy James and the Shondells in this movie? Like, who got the rights to that? It's also troubling because I'm thinking about either A, that that was cheaply leased, which is a real tragedy because this movie should have been nickel and dimed for every penny it had. Or it was expensively leased and they ate up budget that could have gone to anywhere else in this Well, movie. the budget was only, I mean, I know it's 1980, but it was $115,000. Like, I get that uh, music rights for the movies, like, was Tommy James just going through a really tough, like, did he have gambling debts? Like, well, how how did how did this song have you stooped so low? end up in this movie? I'll take a wild guess and say that he doesn't actually own the rights to his songs. Well, that's that's really selling Tommy James short. Fun yeah. fact, Tommy is his first name, James is his middle name, and and the Shondells is his last name. I had no idea. Yeah, that's um, true of all bands that have. <laughs> I'm trying to save some of this from just angry soapbox preaching. Like, I almost feel a little bad about it, but I guess if you like us as hosts and are like, what would happen if they hated a movie? Because they your, seem to really treat. like movies, yeah. I can't imagine that this type of episode ever repeating just because the last movie I hated this much was Max, which is just a movie that's easy to hate if you're a dog lover because that is a quote-unquote movie for dog lovers but actually secretly hates dogs and is mean to them and very cruel to them. I don't know, like expelled, no intelligence allowed pissed me off this much. The Ben yeah. Stein movie. <laughs> I can't think of a recent one. Like I've been disappointed by movies, mostly remakes and reboot. Like Jurassic, I didn't hate Jurassic World. I was just deeply disappointed by it. I didn't hate the RoboCop remake. I was just deeply disappointed by it. Like most of the time my reaction to garbage is to just be. I wish this had been better. Instead of like, I wish this would be scrubbed from the face of the earth and people been like made to pay for their sins. Yeah, there was a remake of this movie and I can't imagine that it's not better. I almost am curious. What is this? What is this? It doesn't look like it's a redneck horror movie. It just looks like it's a. It was 2015. Like, I think they shot it in 2012 and then they could not get anyone to release it in theaters back even when like the reboom of all the same holiday themed horror movies. Um, That's, I. you know, we don't even need to do a proper wrap up. That's a piece of garbage. I hope you didn't watch it and i will say because if you like this movie that's fine it's not like you're saying you're voting for trump uh, or anything like that that makes me question who you are as a person like if there's something that we missed like let us know because please tell us because i need to know go to our website wltwpodcast.com please leave a comment or contact us on twitter send us yeah send us a dm like i'm honestly hoping there's something vastly important that both of us missed in watching this movie because or there's some joke that we're not getting like it's very possible you know there's jokes that 
that people don't get. Maybe there's something here. I'm not trying to to make any sort of judgments. I'm just saying, like, if there is something we are missing in this movie, let us know. I'm not anticipating anything. I don't think this movie has has a, a cult around it that much. Yeah, I really hope you didn't watch it. Though, yeah, we're, we're not saying that, like, you can't make it through this. This is not a, like, grueling uh, no, test of your... Grueling. No, it's just a piece of garbage. Don't waste your time. And on that note... Let's talk about how we're finishing up the month here. We'll do, we'll do the next three, Peter. You can start. Yeah, so the next movie that we're going to be doing is Deliverance with Michael Garneri. Deliverance is the more respectable movie we'll do this month, I imagine. Yeah, I'm looking forward to revisiting that one. Um, Michael is a film writer, and he's uh, one of our buddies from uh, the Dissolve Commentariat. If you want to read some of his work, you can find it at uh, thesalute.com. It's the dash s-o-l-u-t-e dot com yeah he's got a lot of really great stuff up there i particularly really like his series on uh, gangster movies that's one that i've given him a lot of flack to write more on <laughs> uh, and i've been trying to push him he he made one reference to maybe i should do some articles on the complete filmography of oj simpson um and i try to reference that um as much as possible because i would love to hear uh i would love to hear him cover that because that is such a weird and interesting topic that feels like it hasn't been done so uh you can expect uh, when we when we do the episode next week for it to be seventy percent me asking him to please do the series and 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 it's also possible if Michael's been listening to all these. Hey, you're going to be a guest on our show, Michael. Maybe listen to it uh, if, if you're not. If he's figured it out, why Peter always uh, announces this one is because I'm not comfortable yet saying your last name. So that's the other thing. It's going to be all. Please write this O.J. Simpson uh, filmography recap and how do you pronounce your last name? So that's going to be, and then we'll talk about Deliverance. Will that be the first game that we play with him? How do you pronounce your last name? Yes, yeah, it's slower. Each syllable. And after that, it'll be Peter and I talking about Devil's Rejects. Um, I think that's the one we've besides deliverance that we both seen we both like so i imagine it'll be less yelling about the movie or yelling at the movie and more talking about the movie and then that'll be we'll we'll end redneck horror month with a movie i haven't seen peter loves uh which is texas chainsaw massacre 2 which i'm i have avoided seeing it over the last few months because i knew we were going to do it at this podcast at some point i am so excited to watch it we'll be joined by contributor zach groton again and as we said before the easiest way to support the show guys is to uh, head to iTunes, rate or review us. Uh, it just takes a couple minutes. Um, I know it's it's an annoying thing that shows constantly say, but amazingly, as we found out, uh, as we are kind of new to the podcast game, that is a super helpful way to uh, to get other people to be aware of the show and hopefully hopefully enjoy uh, what we're doing here. And if you don't, fuck you. Yep. <laughs> uh, this movie has just filled me with its poison. Yeah, um, I can't imagine this not being our shortest episode. So congratulations to everyone listening. You're a lucky person. You're a lucky person. You did not go back to the days of like, let's edit down this four and a half hour monstrosity. <laughs> um, all right. But thank you so much for joining us. Like I said, I almost feel uh, a need to apologize that we even mentioned this movie again. I hope this off topic, very special episode uh, at least did something for you. I don't know. All right. Good night, everyone. So- sorry, everyone. <laughs> Good night, everyone.